Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. If you have your Bible tonight, Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 8. I want to pull a text from Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 8. Remain standing if you will. If they're able, they'll put that on the screen. If not... Well, you should have brought your Bible. Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 8. Reading from the English Standard, it says, On that day, the Lord, this is a prophetic word from the prophet, and he says, On that day, the Lord will protect the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the feeblest among them, somebody say weak, the feeblest or the weak or the weakest among them on that day shall be like David. The weakest shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. I want to speak to us on this thought. No weak links. No weak links. Holy Spirit, we need you, revealer of truth. God, I pray that you open eyes, God. Open eyes. Our eyes, Lord Jesus, to see properly, Jesus. Oh, God, awaken, Lord, brand new dreams, Jesus. God dreams, Lord, of revivals, of awakenings, Lord, in homes and lives. Oh, God, I pray, Father. I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, Lord, for those of us who've been praying and believing for, for loved ones and, and, and prodigals and, and, and friends that don't know you, God, oh, that you would that you would uh, renew, Lord, a hope, renew, Father Jesus, a a, a fresh unction and burden to pray and believe, Father. Oh, Jesus, increase our our faith tonight, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor. You can be seated in the house. The weakest among them shall be like David. I don't know how many of you have uh, had to endure... uh, had to endure the uh, the pickup games from high school and middle school. My son came home uh, a couple weeks ago, and they were playing football, and and he didn't get picked. <clears throat> and messed up his whole messed up his whole night. Uh, Jude is rather emotional, shocker, and um, and he uh, they were playing, you know, as recess, and I never. <laughs> Um, really never asked my son how, how class has gone. I always ask him how recess was um, because I'm concerned, you know, more about his social um, experiences than I am about his learning experiences right now. He's a smart kid, and uh, I, know, I know what impact um, your socialization can have on you. And I'm curious as to, as to whether he feels accepted or rejected, right? And... Um, and so he comes home, and so I'm a little bit upset and frustrated. And my heart's broke. Now, understand that uh, that the 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 guy that didn't pick him is his friend, and uh, and so he had a I believe it was the next day he had a conversation with his friend. Thank you, Tia. Yeah. Conversation with his friend about this, and uh, you know, it's like I guess his friend didn't see him raise his hand, right? Whether that's true or not, we'll take it, and because uh, obviously he's the baddest kid out there. It's probably not, but, <clears throat> um, and, and so 
I don't know. Have you had to endure that? You ever been in a lineup? And they're trying to pick anybody else? If you're not the captain, isn't it so nerve-wracking? Like, what if, I don't care when I get picked. I just don't want to get picked last, right? And so... And that's like, you know, that's, that's uh, humiliating. And I, I've been picked last um, before. And um, I always just, you know, psych, try to psych myself up. Oh, they don't know. They ain't seen it, right? They ain't know yet. They don't know me, right? So I'm going to show them now. Uh, it won't happen again. <clears throat> and, uh, and so, you know, like, there's a, prophetic word coming from Zechariah, it was both for the moment, and I believe very much for this day, in which the Spirit of God is going to so rest on people that even the weakest will be like David. <laughs> no weak things. David, even the weakest among us, maybe you haven't been, maybe you don't get picked at all, right? That happens sometimes too, Right? So they only need, it's only four on four or five on five. And, and, so, and so maybe that's you tonight, right? You didn't get picked last. You didn't get picked for anything, right? And so there's good news. There's good news. The word says from the prophet, there's coming a day when the spirit of God will rest on his people and the weakest among them will be like David. Wow. Talking about young David who... Uh, who acted in, in great courage, who ran into the valley to face the Goliath, right? When everybody else was running for cover, David was running to the hard place, running to the dangerous place with great courage and great boldness, right? And so as a, as a young man and is not intimidated by, is not intimidated by this, this, this Philistine that is, that is defying the gods of Israel, right? David. And so he says that the, the, the weakest among you will be as David. And David is, David is, 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 not, is not just celebrated for his ability uh, to act with great courage, but also his ability to, to lead others to act with great courage. You, we know the story of David and his 400 Mighty men that come to the cave of Adullam, right? When David is acting a fool, when David has been anointed king but is afraid for his life in this moment, and he's acting like a crazy man. If you've read 1 Samuel chapter 22, you know the story where he runs to the cave, and when people found out, and when people knew that this was the anointed one, right? The ones that knew who he was, who he really was, who, that he was the, the anointed king, right? They knew that he was rejected. They knew that he was denied, right? They knew that he was, that he was a, a sought-after fugitive by Saul, and they said, we'll be rejected too. And they went, and they sought out, they sought out David, right, which is, of course, a prophetic picture of Christ, and they become rejected as he did. And so the Bible says that they were discontented. They were in debt, right? And uh, they were uh, uh, disheartened. Uh, a, a wreck of men with all kinds of situations. And they find themselves here. And so understand that, that when we begin to, begin to anticipate. So this is a, I'll say it again, this is a revival house. We believe. 
We believe that God is moving even now. God is birthing plans and birthing visions even now. And so I want you to understand that, that this Fuse event is a direct result of this 30 days of breakthrough that's coming up. That's been shut down for us for, for, uh, for, for two and a half years or so. The high schools have ever since that March 17th date that COVID hit and was that 2020? Um, and so ever since that date has hit, we had them scheduled. We had it scheduled that just in April, I think it was. And so we haven't been back in the high schools with this gospel um, since, since COVID. this is a direct result of, 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 of the, the prophesied breakthrough that we've been praying for. And so you can write that down as a testimony for each one of you that have prayed for that, right? And so, um, so understand that, that we are, are anticipating a, a revival unlike we've ever read about or heard about. Why? Because we understand as, as some of the older ones among us in the room uh, can, can attest to that great revivalist B.H. Clendenin who would always say that, that, that the Lord will return at his second coming for a church that's stronger and greater than the one that he birthed in Acts chapter 2. And we believe that he's not coming back for a broke down weak church, one that is afraid or one that's up in a corner, uh, one that's uh, caving to social norms or cultural expectations, one that's afraid to speak up because of cancel culture. But he's coming back for a church on fire, proclaiming the goodness of this gospel, no matter the cost, one that runs to dark places, ones that runs to runs to the broken and the hurting and the bound to set them at liberty. We believe this is what our Jesus is coming back for, right? And so um, so 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 how does David how does David prepare? I want you to see this. Uh, how does David prepare prepare these hundreds of men to become these mighty men of valor, these men that were broke down, these men that were uh, in debt, these men that had very little hope, right? There's something that, that uh, psychologists call anticipatory socialization, anticipatory socialization. And this is something that you see uh, particularly with, with children, anticipatory socialization, and uh, so with Jude, he is, um, he is, he is uh, obsessed with, with historical uh, battles. And, and he sets in front of his eyes every chance he gets. We got to watch what he, what he puts on TV because he's always trying to find uh, documentaries or movies about war. And we know that all those probably a 10-year-old uh, shouldn't be watching. And so uh, might be a little too much, right? And so, uh, but he's always trying to, to seek these things out, right? And on a regular basis, his favorite thing to do is to find his toy gun, or guns, usually, his replica, in some cases, real uh, military helmets, and Jude is always marching around the house. We just went to, to Gatlinburg for a couple days, went to this, this store to see the, the feed of the bears. It's a whole experience. And, uh, and what does Jude come away with? But a gun, right? I'm like, Jude, don't you have enough guns? I'm not sure that this is another one we need to add to the collection. And I think you've got one like this. It's probably outside somewhere. I don't have this one. I need this one. 
watch it. And he gets it up there. This is a flintlock rifle, and I need this flintlock rifle, right? And so he knows, he knows more about this kind of stuff than I do. Literally can tell you just about every plane that was flown in, the, in World War II. He can tell you all about the tanks, where, who's were the best, and um, a Tiger tank, a Panzer tank, uh, Sherman. He'd tell you all about them. And, uh, and, and so, so what is this? This is, this is Jude, and this is, I would, I would contend, this is innate <clears throat> in, in most young boys. What is it? Anticipatory socialization. What is that? It's preparation for what they're becoming. You hear me? It's preparation for what they're becoming. And young people, particularly children, this isn't exclusive to children, it's, a, a, it's across age spectrums, okay, will put their eyes on something and then begin to anticipate becoming that thing. And so what do they do? They begin to act it out. With our little princess, Eve. Eve is obsessed not with war, but with princesses. Which is amazing because the boys around her are so violent. <clears throat> but she doesn't she doesn't want a gun. She doesn't she doesn't she's not interested in a military helmet. She wants a pair of princess shoes. And some of them are her mother's, and she'll put her mother's shoes on, and she'll begin to try to step around in them, and she'll feel all, and sometimes she'll go into, this is a big um, problem in our house, actually, she'll get into the lipstick, and the, the stuff that Jessica purchases that is rather expensive, and uh, to us, it's expensive. Probably not to Kyle, but to us, it's really expensive. And, and then she has it all over her face. I should, have put a, I should have had some pictures for you to see. She thinks she's beautiful, right? She'll paint her entire face with lipstick, or she'll get into the powder, or she'll get into the, all the stuff. You know, I don't know what all the stuff is, but all the stuff, right, that the women do. And she sees, but where does that come from? She sees her mama doing it, right? And so what is she doing? It's this anticipation that one day she will be like her mother. And so she's practicing being a patty already, right? And so this is also true with her. She has got, she's got an ungodly amount of princess dresses. And so what is she doing every night? She's putting on multiple dresses Right? It's just another problem. We have to, like, you know, talk her down. Like, you don't need to change again. She's like, well, I don't want to be, I'm not, I'm tired of, of being, what is it, Elsa. I'm tired of being Elsa. I need my Anna dress, right? And she's back and forth, Elsa and Anna and, and the, uh, Ariel. She loves, like, she loves, like, this whole thing, right? What is Eve doing? Even at the age of three, she is preparing herself to transition into being a woman, right? And her idea of a woman is what she has set her eyes on. Are you understanding what I'm saying tonight? And so she, this anticipatory socialization is preparing her to be what she has beheld 
Do you understand? Are you with me tonight? She is preparing to become what she is beholding. And so she is, this is practice for her. This is what uh, psychologists would call practice. And so every day, there's not a day that she's not practicing being a princess because she's convinced that she is going to be a princess, right? And so every day, with Jude, every day, it's obsession and it's practice for being a warrior. And his brothers that are always looking to him, whatever Jude is doing, they're not even, they don't even know all the details, but because Jude is preparing to be a warrior, they're preparing to be warriors too. They're lining up right behind him, right? Social anticipation, right? This anticipatory idea of, I am going to become what I'm looking at. What am I telling you? I am telling you tonight, why, how is it that David was able to take 400 men that were so discontented, so disillusioned that they felt like giving up and throwing in the towel and, and, and just laying down and dying and all of a sudden, these become the 300 mighty men of David. How? Social anticipation. They began to put their eyes, not on themselves, but the Bible says in 1 Samuel 22, uh, chapter chapter uh, 22, verse something in there, it's in there, in the back somewhere of 1 Samuel. Uh, the Bible says that they that he became their commander and they looked to David, right? And so they began to practice They begin to practice what David was. And we read later in 2 Samuel that those mighty men began to do and act in in, uh, incredible exploits. Why? How did it? It was social anticipation. Every day practicing to be a king like David. Every day practicing to be a giant slayer. Every day practicing to run into battle instead of running away from battle. Every day practicing to be a mighty warrior. Every day practicing to overcome fear. Every day practicing to overcome that spirit of the of the philistine that would that would inspire uh inspire intimidation and 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 encourage you that you're not enough and you need to run for cover every day that's not who i am i'm a mighty warrior every day i'm a giant slayer every day that's the one that i'm looking at that's the one i'm becoming and the enemy knows this this is why this generation is under such a such a barrage from social media this is why uh this is why that we live in a generation where even since CNN recently done a, 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 a study and they released this uh, study that tells us that at five years old, as early as five years old, little girls, I actually have it up on my phone, it says kids as young as five are concerned about body image, right? And so, and it says that girls begin to pick up that their mother's social anticipation Right? I'm going to be what my mother is. And they begin to pick up at the age of five that their mothers are unhappy with their bodies. That they feel like they're overweight or they feel like this is wrong or that is wrong about them. And so at the age of five, they're already preparing themselves to be uncomfortable with who they are. They're already preparing themselves to be discontented with their body and their outward appearance. They're already preparing themselves, socially preparing themselves to step into an arena where they're not enough. That is a plan and a scheme of the enemy to convince a generation that they're not enough. If I can convince you that you're too ugly, that you're not pretty enough that you don't play the part that your clothes aren't the right aren't the uh, aren't current enough or aren't trendy enough right then I can prevent you from putting yourself on front street and proclaiming the gospel for Christ's sake if I can convince you that you're not enough and so we live in an age where the enemy like never before is as attacking uh, young people in uh, in in the areas of their mind mentally unheard of before so we this isn't something I'm just saying you understand you know you 
you've seen, I'm sure, the statistics. We now have a generation that is more, that is more drugged than any generation that has ever lived. And those drugs are primarily geared towards depression and anxiety and fear. And they have now, they have now categorized anxiety as, a, as an epidemic. And that's just happened in the last five years. And it's only been, only been, uh, uh, um, only been sped up, for lack of a, a, a better word, uh, by, by this pandemic. They, we're starting to get some of the numbers of, of, of suicide and, and, and self-harm and all this kind of stuff since the pandemic. And it's just what we said it would be, just what we thought it would be, a disaster. Social isolation, I, without question, will go down. What we did during this pandemic, what our country and, and every uh, country around us did during the pandemic will go down as one of the greatest blunders as far as our response. Social isolation was not the answer, but it was a part of the plan of the enemy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so unlike ever before, we have a generation that is inundated with the idea that they're not enough. Not a person in here that's on social media would disagree with constant feelings that they've experienced of not being enough. As good as social media has been, I'm not sure the good outweighs the bad. For every one of us, adults in the room included, constantly feeling the need of, I don't have it, <laughs> I wish I had this, I wish I had that, all of these feelings and emotions of, of, of somebody else having it better, right? And so, uh, so, so, so we're talking about tonight, no weak links. And we see here, we see here that with this anticipatory socialization, right, where young people see all around them what culture has said that they need to be. What Hollywood has said, and all the favorite people that they're beholding, has said about how they should live their lives, about what their orientation should be, about what their gender should be, about what their desire should be, about what's important in this world. And we see a generation, social anticipation, and they're preparing themselves to step in, right? But I wonder, in the church, if Eve can see herself as a three-year-old becoming a princess, and if Jude as a 10-year-old can begin to prepare himself to become a soldier, Right, whether that's a that's signing up, in, you know, in the armed forces or a soldier in the army of the Lord, bless God. Right. Either way, he's going to be a soldier. If my kids can do that at three and at ten, I wonder tonight if you could see victory in your life. I wonder if you could see it well enough to practice it every day, just practicing. Victory, turning your eyes towards heaven and just practicing walking in victory. Just practice walking in joy. Just practice walking in peace. Can you see it? 
Can you begin to anticipate what God has purchased for you on the cross? Begin to see yourself living in victory. Begin to see your family saved and not addicted and not bound and and, and not always question you about why you attend that church and why you do all the things that you do uh, for the kingdom of God. I wonder if we begin, as a community, begin to see and to begin to anticipate our communities experiencing revival. I wonder if that person on your heart right now, if you could begin to anticipate seeing them. That is so wayward being a revivalist. Oh, we become what we behold. We begin to prepare ourselves for what we expect. This anticipatory socialization. Mighty men that were discontented just begin to look different. Just begin to look at something different. Begin to act a little bit different. Begin to allow faith and hope. This is why I, you'll find me in a haven service, almost without exception, marching across this front. You know what I'm trying to do? Social anticipation. Get somebody else to see themselves entering in. Get somebody else to see themselves breaking into the throne room of God. Get somebody else to see how they could enter behind the veil if they want to enter as well. And so can somebody follow me? Can somebody just look at me? Look at me, not because I need your attention. I need you to see how to live in victory. I need you to see how to enter into the presence of the living God. That's why we, we contend for so many of you have been doing this for a long time. It's so important and necessary that you know how to worship God in a setting like this because your breakthrough leads to another breakthrough leads to another breakthrough. It teaches others. That's how I worship. That's how I access the presence of God. That's how I access his victory in my life. That's how I access his joy. That's how I testify of his goodness. And so I want to challenge us tonight. I don't know. My timer guy is not here. Uh, it's 8.30. I think I got up here. What time did I get up here? Eight? Yeah, about 10 minutes. All right. And so this is the introduction. We're going to... Uh, in scripture, this is a quick, this is probably not exhaustive, it's probably not accurate, but I did a quick, a quick search through scripture on how many times the, the, how many times scripture tells us that we should have eyes to see. 37 times the Bible says that we should have eyes to see, not things as they are, but as they could be. Not to count those things, the scripture tells us not to count those things, uh, to count those things, rather, at not uh, to count those things that are not as though they were. What is that? Anticipatory socialization. I'm going to count as though revival's already here. The breakthrough's already here. The victory is already here. I'm going to worship like it's already already here. I'm going to worship like revival is already here. I'm going to act in faith and boldness. No wonder why David ran into the battle with courage. He had been practicing for for a number of years already. How can I lose? I've been practicing victory. How can I lose? I've only seen myself winning. How can I lose? I only see myself bigger than that giant. Hallelujah. And so so we see here in 2 Samuel 23, 8 through 12, the Bible says, if you have that in the back, if you could throw that up. 8 through 12, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb Beshehebeth, a Tachamanite. He was chief of, of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. What? He wielded his spear against 800 that he killed at one time, 
How can he do that? He's been anticipating. This is one of the 400 that showed up in the cave. And for years now, he's been anticipating. And when he went into the field of battle, he wasn't outnumbered. Did you hear me? He wasn't outnumbered. He saw with his eyes that he was surrounded, and he knew that there were more for him than were against him. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And thanks be to God who always causes me to what? To triumph. And so understand that understand that, that our boy, our boy Josheb Bashebeth had been practicing the ways of victory for a long time. And can I tell you, if you're ever going to break in to the great things of God, and if you're ever going to see exploits for the kingdom through you, it's going to be because you take some risk, that you become uncomfortable as well. Oh yeah, I know it's stacked against you. 800 to one, there's not a chance in this world you have to win, except greater is he that is in you. And if God be for me, tell me who can be against me. How can I lose if he's for me? Oh, well, what if I fail? What if you win? Oh, what if fuse falls on it, falls flat and we're not successful? What if we have revival? What if we have revival at fuse on May 14th? What if God shows up in such a powerful way that the entire, the entire high school in Hamilton is ignited with the glory of God and the fire of God? and the passion of God. You've asked the wrong questions. You've been practicing the wrong thing. Oh, we need to practice for victory. God has been speaking to hearts and individuals in this room about the next thing that he wants you to accomplish, the person that he wants you to witness to, the person that he wants you to begin to believe for. Oh, but what if I look foolish? Oh, but what if you save them from a real devil and a real hell? What if you're able to snatch them out of the clutches of the enemy? Oh my God, start practicing as a revivalist. Start practicing as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Oh, this is, you don't know how sick this makes me. I just ripped a page out of my Bible. Oh, Lord, help. The enemy's upset. Verse 9 says, and next to him, there is tape for that. Wow. Wielded his spear against 800. Ran into the opportunity, just like David. Why? Because that's what he was watching. How can he have such faith? Oh, I can tell you, he'd been rehearsing that much faith. He'd been practicing that much faith. Oh, God. And think about this, 800 men? I need you to hear this. No weak links, 800 men. Why did the enemy send 800 against one? What in the world was the enemy doing sending 800 Philistines against one? Unless the enemy knew that this man had something on the inside of him that would require, that would require 
Hundreds for one. Oh my God. The devil knows what's on the inside of you. That's why he's tried to prevent you from beholding the Christ. That's why he's tried to prevent you from walking and practicing victory in your life. That's why when you look in the mirror, you're disappointed. That's why when you look in the mirror, oh, you have all kinds of anxiety. That's why when you try to perceive yourself walking in victory, you think it'll never happen for me because the enemy knows what you're carrying. The enemy knows that the resurrected Christ is on the inside of you. The enemy knows and heaven knows. Oh, but do you know? Do you know? Oh, I know you're shy. I know you're introverted. I know you, you may not have all the talents. Can I, can I, can I, can I tell you that? You gotta say, try to say his name again. Jesheba Sheba Hezebeth. That's not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know what his name means? You know what his name literally means? Dainty. 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 That's what his name means. And you know and I know, all throughout the Old Testament, if your name was something, it's what you were. And so, Jeshebeth. Uh, Sheba, Sheba, Shebatha. It's a dainty man, no doubt. But the weakest among you shall be as David. Oh my God, my God, if you understood. Oh, if, you, if your eyes could be open tonight to the reality of the Christ, of the Holy Ghost, the resurrected spirit of Christ that is in you, you too would no longer be intimidated by the voices within, by the voices without. You would no longer be intimidated by the cool crowd, uh, by, 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 the, by, the, by, by the, the clique or the group or the club. Oh, but you too would walk with your shoulders back and your head high. You would walk with the scripture of the living God, a word downloaded from heaven for your sphere if you only understood. But I don't, I don't, I've never held a mic and I, I, I don't sing a song and I, I don't play an instrument and, and I'm not even very good at reading scripture and I don't see any of those qualifications in there. It just says that there's going to be a generation. There's going to be a generation. The weakest will be as mighty. Oh, wow. What a floor. What a floor. David, the strength of David. really quickly just want to say there's Eleazar in the ninth verse throw that back up we're closing next to him among the three mighty men was Eleazar the son of Dodo son of Ahohai and he was with David when they defiled the Philistine, Philistines who were gathered there for battle and get this and the men of Israel withdrew what did the men of Israel do? They withdrew. These were his guys. These were the proverbial good guys. And scripture says they withdrew, but look in verse 10. He rose 
and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary. Everybody else has run. Everybody else has withdrawn. withdrawn. They'll fight another day, perhaps. It says he struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the men returned after him only to, to strip the slain. All the boys came back, finally, just to, just to get the spoils of his victory wrought by Christ. How did he do it? He refused to quit. It says his hand clung to the sword. Can I just say for those of you who are faithful, those of you who are faithful night in and night out, day in and day out, faithful to his word, you're faithful to the calling of God, you're faithful to the principles of his word. Can I tell you it matters? Can I tell you that the world does not need your sameness, but the world needs your distinctiveness? The world needs the Holy Ghost of God to come alive on the inside of you. The world needs to know that it's possible to live a life full of power and authority and victory. The world needs to know that this gospel is true, that the God that we serve is a God that truly delivers, that he can set you free, that there's real joy there's real peace there's real victory oh we need your distinctiveness not your sameness your friends need your distinctiveness they need the holy ghost of god to stand up on the inside of you to do what you cannot do in and of your own power they need you to walk in the prophetic they need you to walk oh god with with the boldness to lay hands on the sick in your own classroom to lay hands on on the broken hands and the broken arms to see them put back together the world world doesn't need your sameness. They need your distinctiveness. Let them say what they will about your walk with Jesus. They need your distinctiveness. Oh, I'll never forget Jordan Tolbert talking about talking about a quick meeting after school and Bree comes in after soccer with a broke arm, breaks her arm in soccer practice and 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 he just witnessed talking about putting your eyes putting your eyes on something, practicing that social that social practice to prepare yourself to step into what's coming for you he had just witnessed a week before john proctor i don't think he's in this house the lord the lord spoke to my heart and said go pray for john proctor's hands weirdest weirdest thing i ever ever heard god say to me well one of the weirdest things and and so all right god you said it um i put a bunch of fleeces out if he does this 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 this, this, this. finally i'm just like i gotta go pray for his hands i'm like john i don't know i don't know what this means maybe i may have missed it all together but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to pray for your hands. Give me your hands. Start praying for John's hands. And literally, as we're praying, his hands start popping. And I don't know what that meant. And I talked to him afterwards. And I'm like, John, I don't know what's going on, but I heard your hands popping. Did you hear him? He's like, yeah. He said, yeah, I was getting ready to go to go for surgery on my hands because arthritis had, had uh, become so, so he was a, a bricklayer and that holding that trial. And so, and so Jordan had just witnessed the week before and so now he's at his high school, Hamilton High, and Bree comes in with a broken arm. He's like, been practicing this, steps into a, another room, lays hands on Bree, and her hand, his, her arm is healed, instant, instantaneous healing, the bone being put back together. What am I telling you? The world needs your distinctiveness, not your sameness. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Amen. Let me, I'd like to talk more about that, but let me just move on. The last one here is Shama, verse, uh, verse 11 says, and next to him was Shammah, I'm, I'm closing, I promise, the son of Agi, the 
Aharite, the Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the, mid, the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot, in the midst of the field, in the midst of the harvest, in the middle of the promise. Not intimidated, and he says, Enough is enough. I am not giving up the harvest of God. I am not giving up the harvest. I'll let that resonate in somebody's heart. I will not give up the harvest because the enemy has come in like a flood. I won't give up the harvest because it looks impossible. And the Bible says, the Bible says he defended it and struck down the Philistines. And right here, the Lord worked a great victory. He didn't work the victory, the Lord did. But do you know what the Lord needed him to do? Stand in the middle of the field. The Lord was there to provide a victory. He just needed Shama to stand in the middle and proclaim the victory. And I wonder, what is the Spirit of God hovering over in your life right now? And He just needs you to step into the middle of the field. I refuse. What impossible situation. There are no weak links. I don't care who your mom is, who your dad is. I don't care how long you've been beat down. I don't care how long you've suffered from depression. I don't care how much rejection that you have endured up to this point. And it doesn't matter who has, who has done the rejecting. It doesn't matter if it's happened in the house of God or in your own house. I've come to tell you that there are no missing links. And it is God's good pleasure to use the least of these to confound the wise. And so to everyone that feels down and out in the room, particularly to everyone that feels like they've been overlooked and rejected to everyone that feels like they're a failure and they're especially they're especially ostracized there's good news for you there are no weak links in the kingdom of God he only needs you to take some boldness and some courage to grab a hold of the sword to refuse to let go and start practicing victory to start practicing and anticipating oh revival in your home and in your life and in your world oh what to God tonight we had some young people some young adults, some old adults that would believe God, that would believe him and take him at his word. It may not feel like victory right now for you. It may not look like victory right now for you. But if you get some boldness and some courage, which will come by way of the Holy Spirit, if you just step out and take a risk and begin to practice instead of defeat, instead of misery, instead of more letdowns and failures and setbacks. Oh, why don't you start practicing victory? Why don't you start practicing, oh God, walking like a man of God, a woman of God, a mighty missionary, a mighty preacher, a mighty evangelist, a mighty carrier of his glory. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet all across this house. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.